0: Hi, CityCast listener. Today, we are wrapping up the week's Houston news. I am here with Scott Braddock. He is with the Quorum Report and also with the Houston Chronicle politics podcast, Texas Take. It is Friday, November 11th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Scott, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I am ready to talk about news. What do you think was the biggest story in a big news week?
1: That we did not have a red wave, even in Texas. Uh, politically, all across the country, the you know the pundits were all saying, except for me, by the way, the pundits were all saying, "I'm because gonna you're point, always right." I, yeah. Look, if I'm wrong, you can just forget it. Whenever I'm wrong, just don't worry about that. Don't ask me about that. But when I'm right, I'll come back and just make sure everybody knows that what you turn to me for uh-huh. is is clear-eyed, steady analysis, even in times of tumult, confusion, and chaos. And it, it, people were thinking all over the place. And you may have seen them melting down on Fox News Channel. Uh-huh. People on MSNBC making. Fun on a Fox News channel for for, for weeks, um, conservative pundits and and politicians have been saying we would have this red, not just wave, but but a red tsunami, and Republicans were just going to win everywhere, and that was evident um, even in Texas that it wasn't happening on election night. Now I get, I'll tell you what I mean because look, yeah. look, Republicans run Texas, and Republicans ran the board in Texas, but that is a normal election in Texas. That's what I've talked to you about before, right? That, that- right,
0: thirty years. Statewide elections—they right. all go Republican for a
1: generation. My, my yeah. daughter, my daughter, who's twenty-one, has never seen. A statewide Democratic office holder in Texas, right? Yeah. Uh, and for my adult life, that's never happened either, right? So so look, you uh, you look at Texas and you say, okay, this is normal stuff. One of my friends who's a Republican lobbyist said, like, I think we, some of us are shocked because it was just a normal election. And we haven't had one of those in a while. Ever since 2016, everything <laughs> has felt so so <laughs> so kind of wild and crazy with, yeah. you know, with Trump at the top of the ticket. Um, and we had low voter turnout in Texas. Um, and I can explain that. Uh, but look, um, I was in Williamson County, one of the suburban counties here in Austin. At 7 p.m. on Tuesday, as the first early voting totals were coming out. And what I was looking for, Lisa, was to figure out whether the suburbs were moving back toward Republicans or mm-hmm. continuing their steady march toward Democrats. And if they were moving back toward Republicans, that would mean red tsunami alert, right? Yeah. It didn't happen. So in Williamson County, the Democrat was winning for county judge there. Same thing in Fort Bend County, there in the mm-hmm. Houston area. Where K.P. You are. George took it.
0: Uh, KK George.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he won reelection. They were really excited in Williamson County because they were electing a new Democratic County judge there. So Williamson going, basically going pretty solid blue and all of the statewide uh, candidates who are Democrats were winning the early vote in Williamson County. I think it evened out a little bit by the time everything was uh, was shaken out. Um, But all across the country, the U.S. Senate races, they have come down to a couple of races. There's going to be a uh, runoff in Georgia. Herschel Walker saw his shadow. So there's four more weeks of that election. That's always my favorite joke for runoff elections. Uh-huh. did the same thing with Ken Paxton. We had a runoff with him. Um, but uh, but look, if you look at what happened in uh, Pennsylvania, Nevada looks pretty good for Democrats. Some of these other places that maybe weren't expected to go to the Democrats, so it look like they're leaning that way. And it's even possible, and I'm not predicting this at all. Even possible that you have a tie or a slight advantage for Democrats in the U.S. House. I think the Republicans will probably get there when it all shakes out. But nothing Mm -hmm. like what Republicans were expecting. Uh, Here in Texas, uh, Republicans were making a big push down in South Texas, down in the Valley. And they flipped one of those congressional seats there, uh, some legislative seats moving in the direction of the Republicans. Um, But as far as a red wave, no, not in the congressional delegation, not in the Texas legislature. Um, In fact, after uh, redistricting last year and after the election results this week, it looks like the Republicans in the Texas House will increase their number by one or two, something like that. Uh, It'll go up by one Mm -hmm. in the Texas Senate. So red wave, just didn't happen. Um, you know, you have uh, Be- Beto losing to Abbott, which I said here on the show last week. Yeah. Double, double digits, right? I know a lot of people didn't like hearing that, but I try to be, again, just clear-eyed and tell you the yeah. truth of what I'm saying. Um, and there were a lot of reasons for it. And, and this is the main takeaway, I think, from the low voter turnout in Texas. Uh, and I was looking at some of the numbers this morning uh, as tweeted out by my friend uh, Jeff Blalock, uh, who runs something called Texas Election Source. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know how many people did not exercise their right to vote which we talked about previously, a lot of it right. would have nothing to do with that voter uh, reform bill last year, the voting reform bill, uh, what a lot of people called the voter suppression bill. Mm-hmm. Millions and millions of people just did not even try. Uh, here's what uh, election source uh, tweeted out this morning. The state uh, record uh, was um, 9.3 million previously for registered voters who didn't vote. And now it's 9.6 million after what happened on uh, this Tuesday, combined with the estimated 1.4 million Texans who are eligible to vote but aren't registered, almost 11 million Texans who could have voted did not. When I talked to campaigns all over Texas, Houston, DFW, San mm-hmm. Antonio, Austin, every yeah. place in between down in the valley. You had uh, campaign workers who were going and talking to voters in all those places, and everywhere they would go, uh, block walk in neighborhoods, knock on the doors, uh, and they would talk to people who would simply say, "And these are people who have voted previously. These are people who you know have either voted in general elections or probably in primaries for Democrats or Republicans." And so many of them would simply say, "Politics is gross. Politics is disgusting. I don't want anything to do with this." If if if, you're, if, if you wow. if you have the optimist if you have the optimist point of view, yeah, like you or I. You would think that if you don't like what's happening, you jump in there and vote for something different if you think it's bad. Um, But so many voters said, I'm mad at all of you, and I don't want anything to do with this. And so for all of the talk of voter suppression, one of the biggest voter suppression efforts is potentially the the sort of downward spiral and nastiness of our politics. People are grossed out by it.
0: They feel helpless. They don't think they can change it. Mm -hmm. I was really interested in what happened, though, with Harris County government. I've been, you know, just glued to this race. Uh, right. County Judge Lena Hidalgo mm-hmm. has been hanging on by a thread. She had right. this really well-funded challenger, Alexandra Del Moral Mueller, and it was down to the wire. Hidalgo pulled it out by less than a percentage point, and I'm kind of waiting to see how that's going to shake out going forward with uh commissioner's court.
1: I think it was the most interesting race in Texas. Honestly, yeah. How come the governor's race? The governor's race is something that everybody was talking about, of course, all across the state. Uh, but it shook out about like I thought that it would yeah. um, for the for the Harris County judges race, which if you think about how much money was spent, and we always like to talk about how big Houston is, right? I, I remember yeah. watching that video from the guy from Los Angeles who was saying that Houston is so big that Houston's an hour from Houston. Yeah, That's a guy from LA. It's <laughs> a guy from LA saying that, right? Um, it, but Harris County uh, would be. Uh, if it was a state, you know, one of the one of the bigger states in the country, right? Yeah,
0: well, middle sized. We're bigger than Louisiana.
1: Yeah, if you look yeah. at. Um... If you, well, there's a lot of little tiny states too. You got to remember that.
0: Oh, you're saying physically, Delaware, yeah, not population. Oh, sure, yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Well, and, popu- and population-wise yeah. too. Um, look, uh, if you look at how much money was spent in the Harris County judges race, mm-hmm. it would be like a U.S. Senate race in some of those tiny states or those mid-sized states. So there were probably, I mean, once you add up, and we'll see what it was, uh, you know, in the in the final uh, reports, the final analysis. There's also a lot of um, very late train, we call late late minute, but you know, last minute money mm-hmm. in some of these campaigns. Maybe $20 million or so spent. Wow. Um, you know, I think uh, I think Hidalgo, and I'll go back and check the numbers, but I think she was around $4 million, something like that. And the uh, Mueller campaign plus allied organizations, some of these uh, groups that were sending text messages to people about how the judges in Houston are to blame for all the murders because mm-hmm. bonding people out and all that, um, they spent combined, Mueller campaign and the third-party groups attacking Hidalgo, probably around 14 to $15 million, something like that. So I think, and uh, her campaign won't like hearing this, I think in a lot of ways, uh, Hidalgo's victory was in spite of a campaign that she ran that was not nearly as focused as the attacks were on her. Um, I think that the, the Republicans were very disciplined in their message, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you saw, uh, you know, the theatrics of having all those constables at the, at the commissioner's court meeting when, right. uh, when Lena Hidalgo walked out uh, and uh, all of the advertising uh, that was basically, uh, you know, featuring uh, you know, the families of, of crime victims and saying that Hidalgo is uh, not respecting this family, not respecting this county, All of that
0: defunding the police.
1: Yeah. The defunding the police soft on crime message Mm -hmm. that's worked pretty well for Republicans all over the country for the last couple of cycles. Um, And what you do in politics is if you figure out something works, just like on the radio, (laughs) you play the hits, you play the hits, you just do it again. And uh-huh. so I, I thought it might work. Um, you know, my my folks who crunch numbers for me were telling me it was going to be very close. Um, and the, and they were right. Uh, like you said, it was within a percentage point, uh, you know, the next day once we started to get, you know, the real numbers uh, overnight and into the next day in Harris mm-hmm. County. And of course, Mueller then conceded, uh, which is good. I'm here to say uh, when Republicans now will just say that I accept the election results, even though right. even though I don't agree with it.
0: And especially in a close election. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, democracy. We're, right. We can run this country. Back yeah. in the
1: right direction. There was none of the sort of, uh, you know, election denying going on uh, there. So that's good. Um, And I would Mm -hmm. congratulate Mueller on a well-run campaign. I would say that whether people, you know, agree with her positions, it's a little different. You know, on on the crime message, Hidalgo ran a fantastic television ad uh, that uh, talked about growing up in Colombia and knowing what it's like to have politicians answer to criminals. And that's why, you know, part of why her family came here Mm -hmm. to Texas and and Houston specifically. And that she said that she fought for the largest uh, law enforcement budget uh, in Harris County history and that nothing I'm paraphrasing, but nothing is more important to me than keeping your family safe. It was so late in the campaign. I think she started running that ad when early voting was already over. Right. And so, and so all of her oh. campaign was sort of that way, always in reaction yeah. mode. And so I think that in some ways, uh, she won the campaign and won the race, even in spite of a campaign that was not run that well on the democratic side for a variety of reasons. Um, but I do think in, in some sense, it means that because her campaign was not great and because her Republican opponent was so well funded and still lost, those numbers in a presidential year, two years from now, that's going to be completely different. Uh, Houston will be overwhelmingly uh, Democratic. Houston and Harris County, and I think that this might mean. Not, I'm not making yeah. a prediction on this. I want to make that clear? Remember, if I'm right, <laughs> I'm going to brag. <laughs> if you're right. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, prediction. forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If I'm right, if I'm right, it was like, well, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But anyway, you're wrong. If, it was if speculation. If you, yeah. <laughs> it, right. It, exactly. It was just, that's what what would Trump call it? Locker room talk. Yeah. That's, that's just you know. It was silly. It uh-huh. was silly stuff. So so um, I think that it might mean that Republicans in Houston and Harris County might retreat uh, in trying to take some of these seats in county government uh, and in, in a large sense, uh, try to compete in the same kind of way in Houston and Harris County. I, d- I still don't think Harris, Harris County is where Dallas County is, which is just solidly Democratic and that's all there is uh-huh. to it. And in statewide campaigns, there is still, uh, you know, for Governor Abbott, for Lieutenant Governor Patrick or anybody who might run for their offices in the future, there still is incentive to play in the Houston market for sure. Because, hey, there's a lot of Republicans who live in Houston.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so and so they want to do that to be able to boost their numbers. But, uh, I mean, that bodes very well for Democrats going forward that, that that race worked out, even given all the dynamics we just described.
0: So what do you think should have gotten more attention this week?
1: I do think that the end there's been so much written about it that this might seem counterintuitive to even bring it up. But (laughs) I do think that the gains that Republicans are making in uh, in South Texas, in the valley, are being talked about in the wrong way. Um, you know, I, I think I might have mentioned to you before, if I have to see one more story in the New York Times or Washington Post about how Trump flipped a county down in South Texas uh, without proper context, it's just it's you know, it's killing me that, that people are getting a lot of this wrong. Um, look, in campaigns, you've got to invest. You've got to have a clear message. You've got to have a good candidate. Those fundamentals are never any different. Um, and if you go all the way back to 2014, Governor Abbott's campaign at that time was spending millions of dollars in the valley. And mm-hmm. I remember at the time asking, what, what's that about? It's a democratic stronghold. Why are they spending money there? And uh, Republican consultants at the time told me that, look, what, what, what the thinking was, was uh, you, if you know you're going to win a race anyway, which at some point in 14 Abbott's campaign didn't know that they were going to beat Senator Davis, what would you do to move the ball forward for your party? You would make investments in places that have traditionally not voted uh for your party and in texas the last big sort of gold mine for uh for votes is down in south texas down in the valley Mm -hmm. Uh, and those are a lot of people who are not making any ideological shift these are pretty conservative democrats you know during gun debates in the texas house uh you know one of the uh, valley lawmakers who's a democrat will say to his republican colleagues i own more guns than you i'm sure that that's true uh, for yeah. <laughs> Terry Canales, who's from, from Edinburgh uh, and uh-huh. a good friend. Uh, look, I, I think that um, if, if you look at how much money, well, and here's why I'm bringing it up if you look at how much money was spent on behalf of Senator Wendy Davis in 2014, it was about $40 million to lose by 21 points, right? Complete disaster. In 2018, during that US Senate race, when it was at the time, and it may still be, I'd have to check, at the time, it was the most expensive US Senate race in American history. This was Beto versus
0: Cruz, yeah.
1: Between Beto and Cruz. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that race, I mean, it was was hundreds of millions of dollars spent. Um, Then you look at how much money was spent, more than $60 million on behalf of Beto work this time around, if you took even a third of what was spent on behalf of Democrats uh, to on behalf of Democrats running for governor in Texas, because that's always the big, excuse me, governor or senator, mm-hmm. um, if you took even a third of that money and invested it in the way that Stacey Abrams did. Uh, You would see a Texas that probably looks a little bit more like Georgia and now a competitive state, uh, both for the governor's uh, mansion Mm -hmm. and for the U.S. Senate seat uh, in Georgia. And what uh, leader I'm using her proper uh, title, what leader Abrams Mm -hmm. did and folks who do Georgia politics have talked to me a lot about this. Is doing the kind of work that it takes to connect people who are those who would be open to voting for Democrats and motivate them and get them out to vote. All this voter engagement work. Republicans are very good at that in Texas. There's there's a huge uh, investment made by Republicans that is ongoing in this state to register voters, to identify mm-hmm. people who just moved from other places to you know to vote for Republicans. Yeah. And they get their they get their people out. And I think that if you had the same kind of investment going on in Texas, which you just not have not had. I have often joked that democratic infrastructure uh, for Democrats, uh, you know, in Texas, is like actual infrastructure in Afghanistan before the war. Right? It was the, yeah. you could grow up in Afghanistan, three miles from another village, and never know that that other village was there. Because there's no roads, there's no internet, there's no nothing, right? And there's lots of Democrats in Texas. There's just not anything that really connects them. Now, if you look at uh, Beto's campaign in 2018, where they did do a lot of work to register uh, new Democratic voters and get people out to vote, uh, they did good work on that. I would say quality mm-hmm. quality political work. Uh, but when Beto ran for president, you know, a lot of the pundits will say that his big mistake was that he went too far left, right? This is when he talked about uh, taking people's guns, hell right. yes, we'll take your right. AR-15, ak 47 and all of that. But I would say his structural mistake was that when he ran for president, Texas was on the back burner. And all of those people that he had engaged with, his campaign had engaged with in 2018, they kind of stopped talking to those folks. And so this time around, when he was running again, oh. for, when he was running for governor this time, he was kind of starting from square one. So I would say the thing that people need to pay attention to is investment in infrastructure for both political parties that will tell you what the real future is of, of the state and how we're going to vote.
0: Yeah. So the thing that I thought was not exactly overlooked, but mm-hmm. is you know, hasn't been talked about exactly is Mattress Max, you know, yeah. position in Houston. Oh my God, Uh this man had a week of some of the biggest bets anywhere. He was one of Alexandra Mueller's biggest backers. You know, he had her on his commercials. They were doing these, you know, gallery furniture style, tough Mm -hmm. on crime ads together. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, he gave her a ton of money Mm -hmm. and, you know, she lost. You know what? I think he's just writing that off. He bet so big on the Astros and had one of these huge wins. And he also went viral on TikTok defending <laughs> Jose Altuve. Uh, yes, yes. You know, I'm. You know, he was a folk hero already, and I think sure. he's just ascended in mm-hmm. the local pantheon, despite making a, you know, a bet he lost politically
1: yeah as a kid who grew up in the houston area Mm -hmm. i mean it 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 is seared into my memory my brain i know exactly where the original gallery furniture is right yeah 45 north to well parker you don't even need (laughs) notes right you can remember this guy screaming it out yeah and having uh worked and lived in both the houston and dallas media markets it's interesting on the commercials in houston there are so many people who just scream at the camera right mm-hmm. and, and, and that comes from mattress mac doing that originally even the trial lawyers in Houston uh, who's a jim adler he'll, he'll hammer oh, yeah. and hammer and hammer i think it all goes <laughs> together it's, there's sort of this culture of screaming at the at the camera in uh, in Houston but in Dallas it's always that they have some catchy jingle you know it's a little it's, it's a little more sli- <laughs> it's it's like the difference between Dallas and Houston it's it's like oh. it's it's a little more well produced and that kind of thing you know Houston's always just a little dirtier a little grittier that's what i like about it it's real yeah. but for but for mattress mac i mean yeah a living legend already somebody who was an, a, a i will say was a known republican before now for sure yeah. and, and that's fine um but somebody who has so much i think just cloud in the community for things that he has done for the community mm-hmm. um you know i think people have, it, democrats would be hard pressed to really want to go on the attack against mattress mac um and i think the um The only instance in which I thought that it would be okay for a Democrat to say anything negative or anybody really to say anything negative about Mattress Mac, you know, and trying uh, in trying not to anger other people in Houston um, would be if he was actively on the the, on the attack against you. Right. Which which uh, Lena Hidalgo certainly had the the license to go ahead and do that. And the point you made earlier goes right to what I was thinking uh, that you know the response should be whenever Mattress Mac was pushing all in on Alex Mueller. If I had been advising Hidalgo, I would simply say that uh, her only answer to that should be, "Well, his bets never pay off." Because <laughs> he was having before that before that Astros win before that Astros win, he had the worst record in sports betting, maybe
0: ever. Oh, I'm glad she didn't use that line. <laughs>
1: You ever look at the uh, you ever look at the uh, the website Barstool Sports? Uh, oh. they're one of the big you know, it's uh, big entertaining. Uh, it's mostly entertainment, but the, you know they, they talk about sports and, and pop culture and stuff like that. And uh, they have made fun of Mattress Max sports betting record quite a lot because it has not been great. I'm, I'm just wondering. But he wondering, was using
0: it as a hedge for those furniture oh, promotions. You know, if you buy a mattress, we'll refund your money if the Rockets mm. win. Right? right,
1: stuff like that. And I think yeah. that uh, – and that's all – people love that stuff. Yeah. Right? And uh, I think, you know, Mattress Mac – he could probably, um, you know, become a, a more of a legend around the whole state if he would, you know, put his shoulder into helping uh, pass maybe a sports betting legalization bill in Texas. Because, that, uh, you know, the polls show that that's very, very popular, yeah. but probably isn't going anywhere at the Capitol. And he, he, has, he has complained about having to drive over to Louisiana to mm-hmm. make a bet on the phone and then, you know, t- turn right around from the gas station and head back to Texas.
0: Yeah. So, all right. I'm going to be watching to see if he does that okay what is making you happy what's your moment of joy this week
1: oh this is easy the astros won the world series since i talked to you oh
0: hallelujah it
1: happens and with all the other things that went on uh in the in between the Mm -hmm. the election and all the other stuff we're talking about that went on you know across texas and the country it's so many things happen each week and the same thing happens on on the show that i do for the houston chronicle the texas take podcast i I think Mm -hmm. I, i will look at look at my notes and say Wait, that happened this week?
0: So many <laughs> it other things. That seems so long ago, so, right.
1: So many other things happened this week, but the, the folks who hate us for being quote-unquote cheaters, uh, most of that's put to bed, I think, although, of course, we'll always have haters, but but that's that's fine. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the true believers will say, whatever, bury me in the H.
0: I mean, walking around with my Astros shirt last week was so fun. You know, it, it's this buoyant feeling of community that it's not just that we're all sweaty and the dirty South here we are by God winners. So, all right. Well, this has been fun, Scott. Thanks a lot.
1: A lot of fun. Thank you.
0: That was Scott Braddock of the quorum report and Texas take. That is it for our show today. Our content director is Will Fulton. Dina Kisba, our lead producer, is away on parental leave. Carlion Jones and AKL Mullman are our producers. Our newsletter, Hey Houston, is written by Brooke Lewis. Our theme music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band All the Kimonos. And I'm your host, Lisa Gray. We will be back on Monday. Talk with you then.
1: What big um, rap artists is from Dallas? Somebody that everybody would know.
0: You've got me. You can't
1: even think of it, right? Right. Think. Vanilla Ice.
0: <laughs> vanilla.
1: Yeah, vanilla.